Hello, and welcome back to the Marketing Lawcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Goddard, and I'm here today with my guest, Kevin Horner, with the Galligan, with the Galligan Law Firm. Um, Galligan Law Firm and the previous iteration, which was Galligan Manning, have been clients of ours for years and years and years. So uh, it's always a pleasure to visit with, with Kevin and with the folks there at the law firm. And so I've asked Kevin to come on the uh, podcast today to talk a little bit about, you know, what it's like to have this very successful law firm. They're located in uh, near Houston, Texas. What Where exactly are you, Kevin? We're in Houston. We're in the Galleria area for those who are more local. So like there's an inner side loop and, and we're inside that loop. Great. Yeah. So they're in Houston, basically in the Galleria area, and uh, their practice focuses on, you know, estate planning, elder law, um, probate to uh, estate administration. And they've been at this like uh, Mary Galligan and Tammy Manning started this like in 1997. So this is a long term firm. It's been has a terrific reputation in the area. And uh, so I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you, Kevin, to tell me a little bit about the firm and then a little bit about, you know, how you ended up in Houston, Texas. So um, it was an excellent introduction, by the way. So, yes, we are the Galligan Law Firm. We have been around since exactly 1997. Um, we're, We're one of those firms that has been always kind of specialists in estate planning and estate administration. And then I brought in an elder law component. Uh, so we've been focused as a boutique firm in this area for the whole 25 years or so. Um, I specifically joined the firm about just just shy now, I think about five years ago when I moved down uh, to Houston, Texas. I And you can probably hear from my accent, I am not from Texas. I came from up north. I'm from Pennsylvania originally where I had my own firm. And then kind of what happened is uh, as, as many people moved to Houston for this reason, there was good work opportunities. My wife is a bioethicist and she works in a hospital setting in the Baylor College of Medicine here in Houston was one of the best places, at least in the country, if not the world, to do what she did. So when there was an opportunity, it seemed too good to pass up. And then for me, of course, Everyone needs lawyers everywhere, so I I could be fairly transportable at that point, and I already had been working at that point for five or ten years, I guess it was. So I was; it was a fairly easy transition to come down to a place like this and eventually wave in and start working here. So you've been there about five years. You haven't picked up a Texas drawl yet. Probably won't. It's actually very selective. <laughs> it depends <laughs> on on who I'm with and who and what I'm saying. But every now and again, it, depending on the subject matter, I either slide back into my hard Yankee accent, my Pennsylvania drawl, or I will occasionally hit a little bit of Texan. I'm not going to do it upon request or demand. It just kind of flows <laughs> out naturally. But every now and again, yes, it does come out. <laughs> I'm picking it up a little bit. So tell me a little bit, Kevin, about your particular practice area and, and what makes it you know, a little bit unique. Sure. So the nice thing about what we do with estate planning and estate administration, and then I do elder law as well. And then we, we do some things that are ancillary to that. Like I do a little bit of real estate and some business law too, but for the most part, those areas. Um, it's kind of unique for us in the sense of we're a firm that's focused on that. And we try to move beyond just doing what people typically think of, like when people want to do an estate plan, what they're really thinking of is they need a will. 
They need to plan to die because, of course, we all do someday. And it is that. But one of the nice things that, that, that we have or unique things about a firm that focuses on this for so much is that we can do more holistic planning than that. We can do things that people need as they age. We can do incapacity planning. We can, of course, do wills and plan for when people pass away. But we like to talk about in our firm is legacy planning. It's taking everything that you want to pass on to the next generation, whatever that means for you or your next loved ones or whomever you want to leave things to and help you leave that legacy to that next pe- those next people. And so for some people, what that means is tax planning. It's being really efficient in how we do it. For some people, it's with as little fighting as possible, right? For some families, that is that is the focal point. And so we do estate plans that help lead to the next set of beneficiaries while avoiding conflicts, or maybe I shouldn't say avoiding, that's not really true. We plan for family conflicts and help us get through them. Or we do things for options like elder law, which a lot of times is long-term care planning. It's the it's investigating options of staying and living and retiring and aging in place, or maybe it's looking for a suitable facility to live in, or maybe it's paying for that suitable uh, facility to live in, be it through private pay or insurance or Medicaid planning. And so what I think maybe makes us unique is we really can do all of the legacy planning. Whatever of those issues is really the key one for that particular client, we can do it and deal with a tailored solution to whatever that person's situation happens to be. So that's probably really what makes us unique and maybe what makes us special, if I may say so, in terms of how we can help clients in all of those different areas. Sure. You know, that that's having that perspective is so important. And you have a little bit of a of a twist coming from the Northeast and now practicing in Houston. You bring sort of a, a wider spectrum that sometimes is very valuable to some of your clients. You want to tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So as I said, I had my own firm when I was in Pennsylvania. Um, so I'm still admitted in Pennsylvania. I still have to work on Pennsylvania issues. And we lived in New York for a while where I practiced a, a very good, sophisticated firm there that deals very much in these particular kind of issues. So we dealt with everything from really high-end tax planning to a lot of Medicaid planning and, of course, all the planning in between those things. And so, of course, now I'm down here in Texas. And come to think of it, for that matter, I'm also admitted in West Virginia, <laughs> which I don't get to use too much anymore, but I, I am. And so the the thing that's kind of made that helpful from my perspective as a planner is I've seen a lot of different ways of handling a problem. There's absolutely a philosophy, not just different laws, but there's different philosophies on how to handle problems. And sometimes it's helpful to be able to troubleshoot problems from a variety of perspectives, including ones that you may have gained in certain other areas. Um, And then basically be able to help clients because you can see it from a, a variety of different perspectives. Um, it's interesting too that you would think being in Texas that I would, you know, maybe only be doing Texas planning and that those other states' laws or those states wouldn't really come in and touch this, but that really isn't true. I mean, I was working on a New York matter earlier today, and we still have the occasional client who comes from one of those places. And so we have direct relationships or uh, direct need to do those kinds of areas of law. So, in short, it helps us do things like plan for what it's going to be like when a person is elsewhere. Actually, you know what? I'm probably a really good example of this, right? We live in a very mobile society. And Mm -hmm. so we don't just have Texans who have to plan for living in Texas. We have people who are married, excuse me, who are maybe say older, 
they're doing planning for their adult children, but the adult children are all in Texas. They could be in a New York because of a job or school or whatever. They could be in a Pennsylvania. They could be a wherever. And so having the perspective that I've had of having to figure out planning in different places from different perspectives and having the portability, the ability to, to kind of move and take these things to new places has been helpful planning here because you're planning for people who will not just stay in Texas or their beneficiaries won't just be in Texas. And so to have a broader perspective and maybe more tools in the toolbox has been really helpful uh, in solving problems for clients even here. Well, you know, that's so important to realize that even if if the parents or the people who are doing the planning live in Texas, their heirs, their children, certainly, you know, further on down the line, probably don't, you know, we, because we are so mobile. I know like in, in my situation uh, between my husband and I, we have five children and they are in Connecticut, Florida, Washington, you know, they're all over the country. So having that perspective that, um, you know, it, it needs to be something that can be acceptable and, and work right. across the board. I, I've had this situation where, so coming, I'll give you a really, really quick version. This is a much longer conversation. Um, tax planning. So a lot of people are at least considering tax planning. Not everyone is blessed to have that as a serious problem, but most clients are aware of they'd rather maximize what they leave to their loved ones compared to pay it to the state or to the federal government, depending on the case. So one thing that I found interesting is where I practice in Pennsylvania, we had an inheritance tax. So every estate was taxed, not a huge amount necessarily, but it made taxes relevant in all estates, not just ones that were super wealthy. In New York, there was a state estate tax. And so we had to do planning that was maybe more estate tax focused than we do in a place like Texas, where there isn't an estate tax. But where it even still comes up to us today is we have the situation now where like you could be a Texan and not really have to worry about serious tax problems for the most part, at least nothing that was Texas based. But you have a child who lives in New York because they moved to New York for a business opportunity. And they're in New York City where the cost of living is really high. And the state has a state state tax. Sometimes the way that can inform our planning is that might impact how you leave your your assets to your loved one. Right. You know, there are different there are different options. You might just leave it outright so that it's in their pockets when they die. But if that's true, then what you left them becomes taxed in their estate. Sometimes you can pre-plan for that in your own estate plan on how you leave it. So those kinds of uh, awarenesses help impact the way we can do estate planning here. Being located in Houston, in, you know, in Texas, Houston's a pretty major metropolitan area. What are some of the unique aspects of the clients that you deal with? Some of of their complex issues or, you know, tell me a little bit about your clientele. So I think quite a few do have what I was already kind of saying, and is there's a, there's the issue of mobility because there are very few, it feels like we have very few Houstonians, you know, I mean, people who live here, obviously, but not like born and raised. And right. That just doesn't happen because so many people have moved here because it's been a city that's done financially pretty well in recent years. So a lot of people have moved here for work opportunities or for business opportunities. So a lot of those multi-state issues, or actually, quite frankly, here, international issues, too, because people come for oil and gas. A lot of those do repeat in the States. There's no doubt about that. Um, but beyond that, a lot of people that we work with 
I would say is a fairly common issue is because it has been economically successful here. It's clients who have a fairly substantial legacy buildup. They're usually looking towards retirement. They're maybe thinking about things like federal estate tax, or at least it's it's in their conversation, even if it's not really a danger to them. And they might have kids, as I said, who have moved elsewhere. They might have kids who are uh, maybe still in the area, but they tend to be mobile. And so a big part of it here is figuring out the right way to leave legacy after accumulating like that to whomever the next loved one is. And as I kind of alluded to before, that can be done in many ways. And so a lot of times what we're trying to figure out is tax efficiency, or sometimes, uh, you know, there's always the question of when you're doing your estate plan, you're talking about property that you're leaving to whomever. Sometimes there's a, there's the question of, are you going to use a plan that would necessitate probate? Would you use a will that's going to go through a probate process, which means a Texas process, or do you try to do something that enables you to be maybe more mobile for yourself or very quick in how you pass assets to other people? So a lot of estate planning, I'd say, is driven on, at least locally for us, is dealing with clients who have a fairly substantial legacy buildup and want to be able to transfer it very efficiently, very cleanly, if I can say it that way, with minimal work on the back end and minimal difficulty for, for their beneficiaries or for their loved ones. So that's definitely number one. I will say, actually, it's an interesting number two, because, and this is, of course, true for everyone, but... Because so many people have moved here recently, it's very interesting that incapacity planning is a big focus here because you might have a situation where um, the, the, the general term for this in your estate plan is you have fiduciaries appointed. You have an executor appointed and an agent or whatever the particular hat might be. You appoint these people to, to fulfill roles in your estate plan. One of the ones we maybe struggle with here is when it comes to incapacity planning specifically, people lack a good choice for that, or they maybe don't have someone local who they want to do it, or their their kids have dispersed, or perhaps they moved here for work, and so they're not as close to relatives of wherever they came from, and so those individuals aren't great choices for it. So a lot of it here, too, is, uh, I'll say, thorough incapacity planning and figuring out how, or excuse me, who could be a fiduciary, what kind of fiduciaries to use. And basically brainstorming solutions to the kinds of problems those that, that can sometimes create. So I'd say those two definitely are very big issues here, certainly. Yeah, that's a really interesting, as you said, interesting number two. Um, as you brainstorm with people and you put some plans in place to protect them in the event of incapacity, that's got to be a huge sense of peace of mind for those clients. And I will say that it is definitely a peace of mind because all clients, what they really want is they don't want a set of documents. They want peace of mind. Right. <laughs> they want the relief of knowing things are are taken care of, which in the end is ultimately we're hoping to be able to give to people. And uh, it's interesting that particularly with the incapacity planning, there really are, as I was saying before, you need a lot of tools in the toolbox to solve that because there really is no one size fits all solution. Like it's a, it's a common perception, I think, in what people like I do, that this is a form-based practice, that I have a stack of documents in my office and I take one out, I just fill in the next names and I keep passing it off. Um, I'd work a lot less if that was the case, but it is not. So you really do kind of have to dig sometimes deep with these kinds of incapacity issues because you have to figure out uh, everything from being really creative and finding the appropriate person to do it, putting the right powers to that person is also a big question. 
You know, if your agent is somebody who you trust in a true emergency, but maybe don't really want them involved in all of your business, there's a balancing act that has to be done there. So it really is um, a challenging aspect of what we do to be able to both figure out the solution, figure out the right tool for it and find something the client can be help, uh, can be satisfied with and feel good about. You know, you guys have been doing this in this community for a very long time. You've been there for about five years, but the firm has been there for, you know, as we talked earlier, about 25. And, you know, when we have chatted about this, it seems like to me, one of the, as an observer, one of the keys to your guys' longevity has been the stability of your staff. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what your staff turnover looks like and um, how important that's been to your to your success there? Our our turnover has been very little, thankfully. <laughs> so we actually this is this is true. It, it it's very nice that we have had a lot of stability with our employees. And in fact, this actually just happened earlier this week that we had a client from years ago. It was a longstanding uh, case that we had with a client that went on for, I want to say, over five years. It was a, it was a challenging litigation matter. So it was sort of the nature of that kind of, of problem. But um, the client called and basically, other than me, everyone here remembered that client by name. You know, because we have had the same people as we did essentially over a decade ago. And that's that's actually been quite a good thing. So, I mean, we did have like Tammy Manning, who's uh, one of the founders. She retired just in the last couple of years. But we don't tend to have at all of our key positions much turnover, which means we've built up good processes. We're practiced at the processes. We we don't have a lot of the difficulties that the turnover generates. Um, it is a true statement in law. And I know I've, I've certainly have seen, interacted or heard from clients, even not our clients, but, uh, people working with lawyers, a common frustration is the amount of turnover at a firm, which mm-hmm. means they always feel like their case is now being handled by somebody else than it was before. And, you know, I have definitely worked, uh, <laughs> on matters where I'm the third or fourth attorney, and that is not a good start. It's a necessary, but not a good start with a client. Uh, so it's really helpful for us to be able to have a client who calls. Like I said, we all remember the person from, in my case, five years, but everybody else's case, 10 years later. <laughs> so it's good for the client. It's good for our efficiency. It's just good in, in developing a good relationship with clients. All right. And you avoid all of the costs and the drama and the chaos of having to, you know, replace people and interview people and fire people. And, you know, it's just you were able to really focus on the client work and, and on what you guys do best by having a solid team like that. Somebody, a law school professor of mine said something akin to no lawyer wants to be a business person, which is <laughs> not quite right. But also we did all this training and all this work to be able to focus on a client problem, a legal problem and provide a solution to it. So yes, I think you, I'll speak for the entire profession. I, when I say <laughs> the less hiring we have to do, the less, uh, human resource management that we have to do, the better for everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Kevin, when you're in a firm that's kind of been around, you know, for uh, two and a half decades, what, how do you see it in the next three to five years? Well, I see in terms of where we take our firm, mm-hmm. hopefully more of the same, uh, hopefully no, <laughs> so no serious need to, um, uh, to be doing more hiring and just more of the stability would be great. 
I do think it'll be interesting, and, and this is maybe a little bit beyond our firm and maybe more to just where the practice in general would go. Yeah. But I think in the next three to five years, what we've kind of been working on in recent years is maybe utilizing to its full extent technology, everything from client management to like during COVID, we all had to get very creative about how we did this kind of practice. You know, at least in Texas, actual signed documents, originals when it comes to wills are still the norm. Other states are developing the options to do things like electronic wills and different kinds of all digital uh, estate planning documents. So other than things like that, where I think we'll have to keep finding ways to bring in technology to keep bringing this kind of expertise as there's maybe practical changes to what we do. Uh, Hopefully it's just continuing to build the practice while honing our ability on that to help create good outcomes for clients. Along those lines as well, if there's someone listening to this podcast today and they're a lawyer and they're practicing in this area and they would like to grow that practice in, in, in a, in a sustainable and profitable and enjoyable way, which it sounds like you guys have been very successful at doing that. What is some advice that you would give to somebody else? So I, um, this actually is quite timely. Not that long ago at a conference, I was talking to a young lawyer about the same thing. Um, I would say first, the first one is definitely to focus on client experience. And I mean, in the sense of it's more than just doing a competent job for an attorney, because really why we do this is to actually serve the needs of a client, of customer, if you want to say it that way. So and there's been business studies done on this, but essentially where people have good outcomes with a provider of any service like we would be, it's where the experience is good. It's where things are easy on their end to you know, have efficient meetings to be able to, to quickly and, and easily get through things where there's communication and just to have them feel like their needs are taken care of, where you get that good outcome I mentioned earlier of uh, feeling the the relief of having things done or the peace of mind of knowing these things are done. You want to get clients through easily and efficiently and simply if possible so they can get to that. Because really client experience is both the best way of growing your practice. I mean, truly it is because you need people who will be willing to say that this was a good experience and that, but also just because then you get other people interested in it. They share that good outcome. And honestly, it's better for our peace of mind where we can have that good relationship with clients. And then not only do they become repeat clients, but you just simply don't have to divert your energy to difficult relationships. And then you can just keep focusing on providing the service. So it's probably easier said than done, but good client relationships and focusing on client experience is probably definitely the number one. Um, Two, and I think this comes for me because I had my own firm so early on in my practice, but the marketing aspect, the always be looking for new clients. And a little bit that's because of the transactional nature of what we do. But also, you know, I think, as I said before, clients didn't really want to be, or attorneys didn't really want to be business people. Um, but they also don't always think about the fact that we're not doing this just for ourselves, right? We're not doing, I did, 
ironically, I did just do my own estate plan update last weekend, <laughs> but like we're not really doing this for ourselves. You know what I mean? Like we need to do this for other people. So to constantly be generating opportunities for marketing, to constantly be able to promote what your services are, to help people find your services is definitely number two, because it doesn't matter how good you are at this. If you do not have a client to do it for, it's a wasted talent. So to constantly be finding opportunities and good opportunities to market and sort of expand yourself are always good things to do. Um, and then number three, and this, I guess, really doesn't, it's not too different than to tie into the first two, or maybe it's the fruit of the first two, but get client reviews. I have found that to be an extremely beneficial thing in our practice, both for growing. Um, you know, we have lots of good client reviews that are either hosted on our website or sometimes third-party services. Google reviews has been uh, outstanding, honestly, quite frankly, for that. It helps with your SEO. It helps when people actually look at that before they've talked to a soul. They don't have to know somebody who went here. They just see all the positive reviews and experiences. And then they know that hypothetical client knows all of these people had that good client experience and then know they should expect the same when you work with them. That's half the battle right there. And so being able to do the reviews and get that feedback has been great from a growing perspective. And then quite honestly, um, it's the less positive aspect of it, but a necessary one. If you get a negative review, there's also potentially a learning experience there or at least something you can keep building and the feedback you can use to 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 improve your own practice to some degree. So definitely reviews is is both worth getting to develop your your company and just to to get those new clients that you'd want to come through the door. Well, I couldn't agree more with all three aspects of the of those tips that the focusing on the client experience, making sure that you are investing in and getting your marketing dialed in and then you just bring those two together. Client experience, great marketing, great reviews and lots of them. Kevin, as always, it has been an absolute pleasure to visit with you today. Um, for those of you who are listening, we're very proud that we uh, host and designed and hosted their website. So if you want to reach out to Kevin, learn a little bit more about their law firm, uh, their website is www.galligan-law.com. And uh, you can look and see what their marketing looks like and what their branding looks like. And if you have any questions for, for Kev, excuse me, for Kevin specifically, you can contact him through that website. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. And we will be talking to you again soon. Okay. Thank you very much, Jennifer. That's a wrap on this edition of the Marketing Lawcast. Thanks for joining us. Head over to www.imsrocks.com for more growth-focused insights. If you're ready to skyrocket your firm's marketing, don't hesitate to book a free discovery call with our team right on our website. Here's to your success. See you next time.